Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Thursday, September 28th, 2023, and today we'll hear about the Aaronic or Priestly Blessing, which you'll actually recognize, you hear it every week uh, in divine service, but um, we'll hear it in the context of um, the priestly blessing given to Aaron, and then why, of course, we do that. Uh, <clears throat> Don has a question in the chat about the opening uh, image, and uh, <clears throat> well, we were going to talk about it eventually, I think, or maybe not. No, nope, I didn't have it in my notes. So, um, what you see there is what is this letter? It's actually a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It looks kind of like a W, but it's actually called a Sheen, Sheen, and uh, Sheen is the first word of Shema, so you see or hear that SH sound, Shema is the Hebrew word for name. So we're going to be talking about the name of God, and that's what, when they hold their hands like this, whether it's Nemo, Leonard Nimoy, uh, who was, uh, um, I think, a secular Jew, but knew that from, from the synagogue, um, or if you hear it from the Christian pastor, okay, it means he's putting his, God's name on you. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, let's pray our psalm for the week, Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, our memory verse for the week, we say together, Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13, verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13, verse 10. Our commandments, uh, or rather our catechism for the week is from the commandments. <clears throat> this week from uh, commandments 7 and 8. Seventh commandment, you shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way. 
but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Eighth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. All right. Um, I did actually promise you yesterday, and Pastor does endeavor to keep his promises, that uh, would share to you from the large catechism on the seventh com- or eighth commandment, as I think what I said. Yeah. Okay. Over and above our own body, spouse, and temporal possessions, we have another treasure. Honor and good reputation. Proverbs 22. 22 verse 1, I think, right? A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. All right. We cannot do without these, for it is intolerable to live among people in open shame and general contempt. Therefore, God does not want the reputation, good name, and upright character of our neighbor to be taken away or diminished, just as with his money and possessions. He wants everyone to stand in his integrity before wife, children, servants, and neighbors. In the first place, we must consider the plainest meaning of this commandment. According to the words, you shall not bear false witness. This applies to the public courts of justice, where a poor innocent man is accused and oppressed by false witnesses in order to be punished in his body, property, or honor. Right? That doesn't describe our judicial system um, in the last few years. I don't know what does. Poor innocent men are accused and oppressed by false witnesses in order to be punished in his body, property, or honor. Maybe even to bankrupt him. You know, to make it difficult for uh, to run for office, for example. Hmm. Now this commandment appears as though it were of little concern to us at present, but with the Jewish people, it was quite common and ordinary matter, for people were organized under an excellent and regular government. Where there is still such a government, instances of sin will not be lacking. The cause of, of it is that where judges, mayors, princes, and others in authority sit in judgment, things never fail to go according to the way of the world. In other words, people do not like to offend anybody. They flatter and speak to gain favor, money, prospects, and friendship. Another proverb, right? A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Psalm 20, or Proverbs 26, 8. As a result, a poor man and his cause must be oppressed, denounced as wrong, and suffer punishment. It is a common disaster in the world that in courts of justice, godly men seldom preside. To be a judge requires, above all things, a godly man. Hmm. And not only a godly man, but also a wise, modest, indeed, a brave and bold man. Likewise, to be a witness requires a fearless and especially godly man. For a person who is to judge all matters rightly and carry them through with his decision will often offend good friends, relatives, neighbors, and the rich and powerful who may greatly serve to injure him. Therefore, he must be quite blind, have his eyes and ears closed, neither see nor hear, but go straight forward in everything that comes before him and decide accordingly. So again, this commandment is given in the first place so that everyone shall keep his neighbor to secure his rights, or help his neighbor to secure his rights, and not allow them to be hindered or twisted. Right. So just because your enemy is the one who's getting wrapped up um, by intelligence agencies or by the law or something, um, you are actually breaking the commandment by failing to defend him, even if he is your enemy. Um, because, of course, it will be turned around against you eventually. Right. Um, this is why um, many of the... Uh, those in the judiciary that that I listen to commentary about um, are warning severely about the kinds of prosecutions we're seeing or lack of prosecutions we're seeing, and that it's very difficult to get back that sense of um, judicial prudence, right? Or jurisprudence, as as it's usually called, where things are done wisely in the courts. Um, If people fail to trust the courts, um, 
you know, and the advice is generally do whatever you can to avoid court, then eventually the courts no longer can function in the way that they are intended to. All right, so we need to defend everyone's rights um, to, well, the ones actually in our Constitution, right? <laughs> to a speedy trial, etc. All right. Um, but everyone should promote and strictly maintain these rights no matter whether he is a judge or a witness and let it apply to to whatsoever it will. A particular goal is set up here for our jurists, that they be careful to deal truly and uprightly with every case, allowing right to remain right. On the other hand, they must not pervert anything by their tricks and their technical points, turning black into white and making wrong out to be right. They must not gloss over a matter to keep silent about it, regardless of a person's money, possessions, honor, or power. This is one part of the plainest sense of the commandment about, about all that takes place in the court. All right. Next, this commandment extends very much further if we are to apply it to spiritual jurisdiction or administration. Here it is the common occurrence that everyone bears false witness against his neighbor. For wherever there are godly preachers and Christians, they must bear the sentence before the world that calls them heretics, apostates, and indeed instigators and desperately wicked unbelievers. All right. So this is uh, one of the difficulties of being a Christian pastor is that you will often bear um, the insults of the people. Right. Um, that people will accuse you of being a, a meanie pants, if you want to use a colloquial expression, um, of insulting and of degrading and of um, tearing down when actually uh, the, the role of the preacher is to speak um, with the words of the judge, that is of God, judgment against sin and the forgiveness, which is the judgment of against Christ uh, that brings forgiveness. All right. Besides, God's word must suffer in the most shameful and hateful manner, being persecuted, blasphemed, contradicted, perverted, and falsely quoted and interpreted. So God's word suffers the same kind of insult. But let this go, for this is the way of the blind world, which condemns and persecutes the truth and God's children, and yet considers it no sin. Right. So there's just a second point there. In the third place, which concerns all of us, this commandment forbids all sins of the tongue. All right. So now this belongs not just to judges and uh, jurors, but or to uh, to preachers, but now to all Christians, uh, by which. We may injure or confront our neighbor. To bear false witness is nothing else than to than a work of the tongue. Now God prohibits whatever is done with the tongue against a fellow man. This applies to false preachers with their doctrine and blasphemy, false judges and witness with their verdict, or outside court by lying and speaking evil. Here belongs particularly the detestable, shameful vice of speaking behind a person's back and slandering, to which the devil spurs us on, and which much more could be said. For it is a common evil plague that everyone prefers hearing evil more than hearing good about his neighbor. We ourselves are so bad that we cannot allow anyone to say anything bad about us. Everyone would much prefer that all the world should speak of him in glowing terms, yet we cannot bear that the best is spoken about others. To avoid this vice, we should note that no one is allowed publicly to judge and reprove his neighbor, even though he may see, sin, see in him sin unless he is, has a command to judge and to reprove. So they're both judges, lawyer, um, jurors, but also preachers. So both in the world and in according to the Spirit. There is a great difference between these two things, judging sin and knowing about sin. You may indeed know about it, but you are not to judge it. I can indeed see and hear that my neighbor sins, but I have no command to report it to others. Now if I rush in, judgment and passing sentence, I fall into a sin that is greater than his. But if you know about it, do, do nothing other than to turn your ears into a grave and cover it until you are appointed to be judged and to punish by virtue of your office. People are called slanders who are not content with knowing a thing, but go on to assume jurisdiction. All right. And there's much more that can be said. Luther has much to say about the Eighth Commandment. 
So uh, go check out the large catechism if you haven't already. Uh, much wisdom to be considered there. And uh, the important thing, and uh, I think this may have been in the background um, in recent conversation here in the congregation, so maybe again worth your meditation um, so that you can assist others in this, um, is that not that some are given the office of judge, are given to judge doctrine and given to judge life. Um, that belongs to the office of the keys, as we said yesterday. Okay. All uh, right. Oh, so then, of course, it, it, yeah, well, we talked about it yesterday. I'll just leave it at that. All right. Let's keep going. Uh, our first reading today is from Hebrews chapter 9. And again, remember Hebrews 8 through 10. Um, it's really a, a theological interpretation of the Day of Atonement um, as being a copy or shadow of Christ. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer once, or often, since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ who was offered once to bear the sins of many. Those who eagerly await for him will appear. He will appear to those who eagerly await for him. He will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. That's the uh, second coming, as we call it. Right. So again, remember, copy or shadow means that there are some things that are going to be similar, and there are some things that are going to be quite different. So unlike the high priest who made sacrifices annually on the Day of Atonement, Christ makes atonement for sins once and for all by his suffering and death. Uh, this is where uh, our friends in the Roman Church um, get it wrong. Um, they think that every time we offer the Lord's Supper, or rather the Lord's Supper is offered to us, they often they have that backwards too. We don't offer the Supper to God. God offers his gifts to us. Um, that they're offering up to the Father, the Son, as, a sac- as an unbloody sacrifice is the language of their theologians. Um, and so that the Lord's Supper, instead of being Christ giving his body and blood to us for our forgiveness, life, and salvation, becomes our sacrifice of Christ to the Father in order to uh, merit atonement. So in a sense, he's being crucified over and over. Um, I don't know if they'd ever say it quite so callously, um, but that's certainly what is taught in their churches. And uh, uh, is a really a misapplication of the Day of Atonement um, to think that it needs to be repristinated, copied. No, it's a copy or shadow of the thing to come, which is Christ Jesus. Just read the book of Hebrews, and, and you'll see, all right, as we've been doing. All right, and now to the, the sheen, short for Shema, the name. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Hmm. All right, that should sound familiar to you. Um, I had the children look for it in the hymnal in Divine Service Setting 3, and almost all of them found it in other services, which was pretty cool to see. Yes, all of the uh, service settings um, conclude, all the Divine Service Settings conclude with this uh, benediction or blessing. right? And this blessing is from Aaron and his sons, remember Ithamar and Eleazar, and they are to bless the people with these words. All right. Now, <clears throat> this may be obvious, why is the blessing threefold? Well, the key is in verse 27, my name, right? So referring to God, the Holy Trinity, 
right? Even before it's been fully revealed to, to God's people, he's already speaking in ways of Trinity. We see this at creation, we see it here in the blessing. The true God is the Holy Trinity. All right, so who is the um, person of the Trinity associated with the source of every blessing? From the font of every blessing. I've got a hymn in my head now. <laughs> that would be, well, I'll just quote Jesus on this one. For God so loved the world, God the Father, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, the Son, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God, the Father, did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Right? Also, Jesus and John. This would be uh, after the the feeding of the 5,000. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, that's you, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Of course, who is that? The Father. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him, the Son, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. Thus he says, I am the resurrection and the life. No one comes to the Father, but by me. Right? So Jesus is the is the blessing, but who is the source of that blessing then? That would be the Father. All right. So the first part is associated with the Father, I think quite clearly. Uh, one more text, maybe. This is uh, James uh, chapter 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. All right. And of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I could have used that in the sermon uh, at the funeral. Okay. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Um, God the Father, right? The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Okay. So what? why is the face so important? This is why um, the face masks um, did such great um, emotional and psychological damage to our culture, um, especially with young children, because we recognize people by their face. So if their face is obscured, we can't recognize them. We can't tell the difference between a stranger and a friend, for example, right? And that's really impaired, uh, especially infant development, uh, as we're finding out. Some of us warned warned you, but uh, unfortunately, our warnings were not heeded, especially in uh, childhood development. But, oh, the virus was more important, I guess. Uh, um, the face, this is how we know a person, recognize a person. Um, by the way, also, face can be, in the Bible, not just... Um, you know, how we see a person, but actually um, indicating their presence, their physical presence, right? So the face is another word for the physical presence, right? So um, um, this is the presence, uh, the promise of God's presence he made to Moses made, or made to Moses by the Lord. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Um, i trying to find, and then he talks about his face and the face of all the earth. Um, maybe Isaiah 63. Oh, yeah. Uh, for he said, surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their savior, and all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them as of days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. All right, I always warn people, don't make God to be your enemy. Um, he will do so by his law for the sake of repentance. Okay. So there, the angel of his presence, that's another name for the angel of the Lord, Jesus, right? So Jesus, the Son. The face or presence of God is Jesus, or the Son. All right, so that helps with verse 25. 
the Lord make his face, that's his son, shine upon you. We see the mountain of transfiguration. Huh? His face was um, glowing, right? Um, but, and be gracious to you. So how is the face of God gracious to us? Think of this. Um, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, skipping ahead, verse 18, John 1. No one has seen God at any time. That's the Father. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him, or exagomai. So that's to, uh, yes, to speak of him. No one can know the Father except the Son, and to whom the Son reveals him. Okay? So if you want to know God as a gracious God, you do so by way of Jesus. Only by Jesus. Do not try to approach the Father apart from the Son. All right? Uh, because the, that's how the Father reveals his love to us, is in his Son. All right, and then who comes from the face, that is, with the, the lifting of the countenance, the lifting up of the face, who is the lifting up of the face of God and gives us peace? In the world you will have tribulation, but in me you will have peace. That was Jesus speaking, right? But he gives that peace, he delivers that peace to us by way of the Spirit. Remember, um, he drank the sour wine, he declared, it is finished, and then he gave up his spirit upon uh, John, Mary, the, and the well, representatives of the church. Or, when he came and stood amongst them um, after his resurrection, and he said to them, peace be with you, right? Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And there's the office of the keys. If you forgive anyone, uh, forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Just as we saw uh, in Matthew 16, in Matthew 18, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Right? That office um, of judgment given to the church exercised by um, her pastors. So the Holy Spirit comes to bring peace. That is to bring forgiveness of sins. Right? And then note, again, what does verse 27 say? This is the name of my name to put on the children of Israel. So Shema, right? Hero Israel, the name, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, right? Is also the name, the Shema. Okay, so when is this triune name put upon us? In our baptism, right? In holy baptism. So when we, um, uh, we should be not careful, but actually um, liberal in the use of the name that we, uh, that we bless people in God's name, right? God bless you. Um, that's appropriate to say. Um, why would we say that when somebody sneezes? <laughs> I don't know if you know the background of this. All right. Typically, you would invoke God's name uh, to ward off uh, the attacks of the devil, the world, or our flesh. So, um, at some point, people thought of sneezing as a kind of spiritual affliction manifest in the body. We talked about that last night in the sermon a little bit. All right. Um, it's still fine. You can say Gesundheit. You could say God bless you. Um, but I think this is an important note is that we never leave divine service without God's blessing. And his blessing is his name. So it is always appropriate to leave people like, um, I don't have a habit of doing this, I'm still trying to develop it, um, but always leaving, like a, especially a pastoral visit, but even, uh, I suppose even you could do this as a family. I, we haven't done it, but it might be something fun to implement, is that before you leave, to, to bless one another, right? In God's name, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, the Lord keep you safe until I see you again in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless you. Right, pretty cool. Be a neat thing to do. It's a gift that you have. Right, God has blessed you, so you can bless others with Him. And of course, here 
we always respond to this and give you peace. Amen, 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 which means I believe it and I want that blessing according to your word. Hmm. Right? It's always good to say, I agree with you, Pastor, uh, when, when God's word is being spoken and you do so by saying, Amen. Right? All right. So how does God bless his people? He does so by um, declaring them saved by his name. The word of God is the means by which we are set apart as his own in holy baptism. There our Lord graciously declares us righteous and gives us a tower of refuge, the name of the Holy Blessed Trinity. The divine service closes with this benediction and the response of faith, Amen. It is the confession of the baptized that there is no salvation apart from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whose name is our only strength and shield. As Aaron and his sons were the means of imparting that blessing to the people, so now the office of the ministry is God's means of declaring the saving name and its benediction to his people. All right? So remember yesterday we talked about this. Um, All now are called priests of God and given access to the holy place. Right? Uh, But that does not mean that God has not set apart particular people to be um, those who serve in the public ministry, that is to deliver the, the gifts to God's people. And that's his one holy Christian and apostolic church, right? Who has God sent to me? And he, everyone needs a preacher. Everyone needs a pastor. Okay. Let's sing our hymn for the week. Abide, O dearest Jesus. with your love. 
that post uh, nasal drip a little bit. Uh, allergies or whatnot. Yeah, I feel it in my throat. All right, let's pray our collect for this week, Trinity 16. Oh Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, that we may continually be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in the seventh commandment, you teach us that all of our possessions and income are your gifts of love. You have given us our daily work and earthly resources that we might serve our neighbor in need. For Jesus' sake, forgive us our sins of selfishness and greed, of being stingy and making a God out of our money and possessions, of cheating others to get what we don't deserve, of being lazy in our daily tasks, and of working only for the benefit of ourselves. We thank you for the privilege of being able to share your love and care for others through the daily work and temporal gifts you have given us. Grant us your grace and compassion in Jesus that we might be faithful stewards of these gifts, using them according to your will to help our neighbors in need. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray this day for the church and her pastors, for all missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, musicians, and other servants of Christ in his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray this day, uh, let's see, for our households, especially that of Whitney, Randall, Derek, Dick and Jean, Stephanie and Chelsea, our catechumens, those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Pam, Joe, Dennis, Christopher, Sophie, Brad, Ron, and Doug, Bev, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Jim, Pat, Wendell, Darlene, District President Willie. Pray for our homebound, Marcy, Marion, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, Pauline. For the Federowitz families, our mission of the month. And thanksgiving for Marcy, um, who received healing, for our students and teachers, and for the family and friends of Kelsey grieving her death. For all these, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, it's been a joy to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer on this Thursday, September 28th, a cloudy day. Um, or whatever day or time or place you're watching this, um, you're looking to find out what what is the priestly blessing and do Christians still receive it? And of course, we receive it every divine service, that ironic benediction. It's actually uh, emblazoned uh, in gold lettering on our the walls of our chancel. So if you look to your left and right when you're kneeling at the altar rail for um, the Lord's Supper, um, you'll see those words of blessing, um, which are the words of dismissal from the table. It's kind of weird that we do a double dismissal. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but pastor says, um, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting, depart in peace. Then we sing, now let your servant depart in peace. And then pastor says, depart in peace again. <laughs> Lots of peace and departing. Um, but in case you missed it, uh, repetition is is uh, brilliant there, right? Peace, peace, peace. Depart, knowing that you have been forgiven freely in Christ. Okay. With that, uh, I bid you fond farewell, and the Lord's peace be with you, too.
We'll see you again in the morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.